Welcome and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Psychor Water Cooler, the casual conversation podcast dedicated to covering all things related to Psychor, including product updates, implementations, insights, getting the most out of your Psychor investment, and more. I'm your host, John Price, Psychor Practice Director and MVP at AmericanEagle.com. To set the stage for today, on this episode, we of course are going to talk about the new buzzword composable but we're going to examine it through a different lens. The focus lately by analysts, software companies, and current and prospective customers has been very technology-focused. However, equally or more important is the business focus and how to actually construct a team and processes around a composable ecosystem for implementing and maintaining the platform. A composable technology stack comes with new development methods and languages and a different mindset on how to approach. Companies and agencies now have more opportunity than ever before to build business-first solutions. However, constructing a team, requirements, and business processes beforehand is also more important than ever. I'm excited about today's episode as I am joined at the Water Cooler by Maggie Burke and James Gregory. Both are seasoned technologists with the Sycor ecosystem and bring diverse perspectives when it comes to the exciting transformation Sycor is currently going through. Maggie Burke is a Sycor program manager with AmericanEagle.com and has been working with Sycor for the past four years including award-winning implementations such as Renowned Health. James Gregory is a Sycor development veteran, having worked on the platform for nearly 10 years and as a multi-year MVP and currently a Sycor architect with AmericanEagle.com. Maggie James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, John. Thanks, John. So, guys, to kick off the conversation today, many people out there are wondering, where do you even start with the planning process and resources needed to construct a composable platform, especially since many of the technologies do not even come integrated together, and many times it's build your own adventure. So James, where would you start? I like that build your own adventure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've been with the Sycor world for a long time, right? So I remember when it went from web forms to MVC and that shift, but I feel like this shift is much different for many reasons, right? Um, so you know, with the old shift, you're still in .NET, you're still doing HTML and CSS, similar patterns. But now with the headless frameworks, it's it's a more significant shift. And looking in kind of at the front end area, I think that's kind of the first critical piece is before we had a pattern of, you know, take the designs, make the HTML, make the CSS, and then hand it over to the, the backend development team. But now it's not as valuable having just HTML and CSS. It's really more valuable to have it in that framework, you know, whether it's React or Vue. And so that's a big change um, for, for resourcing teams. Now, the benefit, though, of, of having someone that has that knowledge of the front-end framework, pick Next.js or what have you, um, is that the Sycor developer gets to learn some of that front-end framework, maybe if they haven't been exposed to it before, but they don't have to master it. They can still have that ownership on the front-end developer, you know, that engineer that's doing the cut that kind of lays the groundwork for how it's all going to work to help ease that transition. Yeah, so it's fair to say there's been a major shift with this composal transformation from kind of back-end development to more front-end focus. Now, that being said, though, there's still plenty of space for a back-end developer, right? So we don't lose the back-end developer. It's just it shifts a little bit. So there's still .NET needs. With the headless composable ecosystem, a lot of it is, you know, with middleware and integrations, making kind of server-side endpoints to do work and then spit back a response. And so that's where a lot of the, the Sycor developer's time goes to. You know, you, you still get the Sycor templating. And so it's helpful to be familiar with the Sycor patterns and the Sycor ecosystem world and stuff. But and you can still do .NET development, but there is kind of a blending now of getting to know the front-end frameworks enough to do, you know, wiring up the dynamic data through the, the front-end frameworks as well. So let's take an experienced Sycor developer, right? You know, especially since you've had to go through this transformation. Let's take someone that's maybe familiar with Sycor 9, MVC, SXA. Where would be a good point for them to start training or going through certifications? What would be the most important things for them to know? Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's certainly ideal to have someone on your team that's familiar with each piece of your composable stack, right? So are you doing order cloud? Are you doing psycho personalize? Are you doing, you know, pick, pick your piece that you're plugging in. Uh, there's certainly a benefit to having someone that knows that world because uh, they each have their own little world. But plus side is that each of these are discrete tools that are designed to be easy to use. So they, they broadcast themselves. And so, you know, it's pretty easy to adapt. You know, if someone's willing to learn and wants to dig into it, you know, they can get up to speed fairly quickly. Uh, the first project's gonna be a little bumpy, you know, because <laughs> you're still getting to know things. Um, but that's an easier problem to solve if you got people that are willing to learn it. The, the trickier piece then is bridging all the gaps. And so having someone that knows enough of each one to build the bridges that need to happen. Because um, that's the one thing you lose by not having a monolithic system is you're not guaranteed they're all going to talk nicely to each other. So you got to kind of build all the bridges and then solve your new solutions. You know, each project has their own requirements. They can also bring in additional challenges. So having someone that can kind of jump between the different ponds of the, the pieces and, and find a way to creatively solve what's needed is another realm <laughs> of challenges. But the other thing you have to be careful of is getting to this front-end framework. So like a lot of the Cycle developers haven't been in the front-end frameworks. And so you want to make sure you spend time getting to know whichever one you're using. Um, now, there is great flexibility in which one you use. And so like if, if you have a team that has a strong competency in Vue or React or Angular, it's like it makes sense to use that. If you don't have a strong competency in your team for either one of those, then like my preference right now is to pick Next.js just because so many decisions have been made for you that it's an easier one to get into, especially as a production-ready system. And there's other benefits too that we can talk about, uh, like static site generation and things like that that you get. That's really good enough. Like what's your goal for going headless, right? And I think, I think the benefits of Next.js of like the, the static site generation and uh, how it manages the, the CDNs, you get a huge boost without having to have a bunch of add-ons and configurations with other frameworks a lot of great information there so i'm going to unpack a few of those yeah. topics so the first one is you know you need someone that knows how to bridge the technologies right enough familiarity again if we stay in the psycho ecosystem enough familiarity on how to tie together xm or a cloud or maybe personalized what what have you right you need someone that knows them well enough to make them work well together however then you also need individuals there's more subject matter experts on how to implement each one specifically so it's almost different types of roles that you need depending on which is, you know, what technologies you have as part of your stack. Yeah, yeah, you want to make sure you're covered on all the different grounds. You know, for example, like let's say you've got the triangle of you've got CypherXM for your content, you've got Order Cloud for your products, you've got Next.js for your headless app. So you've got these three different parts that need to work together. And, you know, it's fine if you just want to render the data in Order Cloud. But as you know, Order Cloud has the product data, the orders, the users, the, the visibility rules, rules and everything, but it doesn't have the content, right? So, okay, I've got a CycroXM for the content. But if you want to, you know, do something more than just a basic show a product, you want you want to give your authoring team, you know, the ability to enrich that product detail page to really dress up a single product page, then you need a whole nother level of functionality where you've got to have, all right, XM is going to control the page design and allow you to put that in. But where does the author get that page from? Like, how, how does Order Cloud get that? product data to XM, and then how does that get tied into the headless app? So there's a lot of decisions that you got to work out and figure out. There's no off-the-shelf solution to like how to integrate everything together um, for some complex use cases. And so that's where it gets fun, and you have to get creative and, and uh, you know, build up your team to get familiar enough with all the tools that they can tie them together. Yeah. I think that's a very important point, right? Because there's a lot of companies out there like do everything in-house. There's also the tell old agency method of using what agency may be for everything. So if we start looking at, you know, the Cycor ecosystem, and then all of a sudden we start adding in technologies like maybe a Salesforce or maybe a Microsoft Dynamics or maybe an SAP or Oracle, and then a true composable platform, then you do need 
then you do need the subject matter expertise on each one of those technologies. So the team makeup, you know, since there are these different puzzle pieces, is becoming more complex. Yeah, and one of the shifts I see is like it's you can't have as much of a here's a step by step X Y Z get to the end. It's more of a learn the tools, and now create the art. You know, so it's 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 harder to hand off, and you have to kind of just enrich yourself in in what the tools are, and then you'll see how to connect the dots. Yeah, which is going to lead us into our next topic here in a second with Maggie. Is I think the the requirement gathering process documentation process and planning is more important than ever as well. Agile has been a very popular term for many years, but just simply diving in and start building these technologies, having them work together without proper business requirements also seems to be a possible pitfall of these types of projects. You need these defined well up front, and then we can define what technology does what, and then how we're going to tie them together. So, you know, I think another important distinction as well is now that we've moved away from the all-in-one DXPs, as James, you mentioned, we're back to business units in groups within a company that now they're able to actually select a technology that works for them for their specific business purpose. Again, in, instead of buying an all-in-one DXP or what have you. So, you know, this can be referred to as composable business, composable business model. So basically Lego blocks that can be re- arranged, rearranged, and even discarded when a new technology is needed. So that's the, that is the advantage to this approach is you can easily, well, I won't use the word easily, but you can you know, add and remove pieces when you need to. But again, as I mentioned, because of this, the way these different technologies work together, it is a case-by-case basis many times. So Maggie, you know, talking about the planning of these projects, let's dive into some possible pitfalls or some lessons learned that you've seen in this in this space. So yeah, I mean, I think obviously the key to moving into this kind of new composable world is surrounding your project with a team of experts that are really going to help shape your solution and, you know, drive to your business goals. And this team made up of, you know, business analysts, strategic architects, they're really going to start from the ground up to really understand what your needs are from a business standpoint, but also from an operational standpoint that's going to help set your organization up for success that's going to take them into the future. Without doing elements like that, you're really not going to be able to successfully get into a project because you need to understand why we're doing something. Because of course, we can sit there and tell you what you can do and how you can do it. But the important part, I think, is the understanding of the why, why you're building your website and this new suite of products. And, you know, how is it going to help you drive revenue or how is it going to become ease of use for your team or just how is it going to simply enhance your digital footprint? Because, again, the why I think is the part that's important and setting up a team of experts to do that from the get go is going to set up the project for success. Yeah, no, that's one mistake I've seen personally over the years is companies go looking for a software or issue an RFP without a true understanding of where their business and processes need to be streamlined, what their true business requirements even are. So that's the true place to start, right? And then you choose a technology. Of exactly. Gotcha. With this said, since there are numerous teams involved, there are numerous technologies involved, I assume the management is also equally and more important as well, Maggie. What do you think about that? Exactly. I mean, the critical part of any project and making it work successfully is staffing your project management team well, because they're going to take you from discovery through launch. These are the guys that are going to be involved in the day to day of every single day of the project. And, you know, especially moving into this new lay of land with the team, you want to make sure you have people that are keeping the team focused. They're handling all of the task management and they're following up with the client when they need things. But again, this doesn't just come from our side. This comes from the client side as well staffing to make sure that they have a strong point of contact that's driving things on their side, making sure that they're getting answers in a timely fashion, and also you know, being able to help answer business questions when they're needed. And if they can't answer them, they can go to their team and get those in a you know, timely fashion as well. 
So a strong governance structure. Correct. Yeah, and going back to a previous point, right, there are numerous ways you can run a project like this. You could do more traditional waterfall or you could go pure agile. James, I'm kind of curious to see your insight. It might be a hybrid of both, but you know, for an organization that's new into the space and in into the composable space, and as a technologist like yourself, what do you think is the proper way to run a project like this, especially a more complex one? Yeah, I think you know now more than ever, the agile approach is a better fit, just because there's a lot for developers to get adjusted to and, and ramp up on and explore. Uh, there's just so much to explore. And, uh, and so there's going to be things that are unexpected that come up, you know, if you, if you need to kind of budget, that's always the hard thing. It's trying to budget that year and budget that time uh, and try to hit your milestones. But you, you have to allow for time for exploration, trial and error and, um, you know, calibrating. If, if you hit something that didn't work as expected, um, got to recalibrate. And uh, and so you got to allow for that. So that's why Agile makes the most sense, because you could spend weeks trying to map out a project plan. But then the first week you start, it changes, you know, so it's just a waste of time where you know your milestones you try to hit those target dates but you just look at the next two weeks and see where you get in those two weeks and then keep going from there is, is the most efficient approach just because there's way too many variables now <laughs> that's very helpful so it almost sounds like it is a true mix of everything right upfront planning document the business requirements choose the technologies get far enough along where the technologists have enough information to implement but then when you are to that implementation stage implement and iterate in an agile fashion seems to be the way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more moving parts now, right? Because you have all these different tools that are interfacing with each other, you likely have different teams that are interfacing with each other. And so you, you need to get a good sense of what your traction is and what your velocity is to, to have a better sense of if you can hit that target milestone date or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the most successful projects are the ones that have a strong relationship between both teams and collaboration and open communication is what's going to be successful, especially when you're dealing with new technologies. There's a lot to work through. So as long as the teams are working strongly together, that's going to set up the project for success. Cool. No, great conversation today, guys. Maggie James, I appreciate you taking the time today to swing by the water cooler a few short weeks before this year's Psychor Symposium. You know, there'll be quite a few new topics that we'll be discussing soon, and I hope to have you on the show again soon. Thanks, John. Thanks again to Maggie Burke and James Gregory for joining us today on the Psychor Water Cooler Podcast, a casual conversation between colleagues and peers centered around all things Psychor. I'm your host, John Price, and until the next time we meet at the Water Cooler, be sure to subscribe to the Psychor Water Cooler Podcast today, wherever you find your podcast. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios, with special thanks to executive producers Renee Nelson, Julia Klepich, and Brian Winger.